Hi, this is Fraser Hines, uh, Jamie McCrimmon from Doctor Who, and you're listening to Nerdology. Hi, this is Mark, and welcome to episode 37 of Nerdology. And my esteemed guests this episode are, in no particular order, Mr. Sucky Kark. Hello, Mark. Hello. Lovely to see you. Yeah. Well, nice you, nice you to speak or... to you as well. Yes. And Mr. Benjamin Schneider. Howdy. Hey, hey. Howdy. How you like my genuine American accent? Huh? Uh, it's so huh? authentic. It's great. Nothing, nothing <laughs> faking here, man. And he only comes from Croydon as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. No. Yeah, I basically have based my entire vocal stylings off of that guy in the Tomb of the Cybermen, the uh, ah, the yeah. uh, captain. You know, hello there, Vic. You know, I'm I'm so good at it now. You know, I'm really not, great. Not quite up there with Dick Van Dyke, but you know, you're getting there. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't get to that sort of heights, can you? Really, yeah. you're not straight off. Years of training it takes. I'm working my my way up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. It's Peaches back on the ship. I mean, come on. That was pretty good, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Come on. Come on. Very impressive. Now, we've decided to convene to discuss uh, what we thought. I mean, I wanted to do a Doctor Who because I haven't done a Doctor Who for absolutely ages. And because I never get asked on the other thing again. Um, they've, they've obviously, you know, they've moved on. They've got a better person in there now. You've got Matt Barber. He's much better than me. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, and much more that. handsome than me as well. And much taller than me. He's really annoying. Um, no, he's a really nice guy. So, um, yeah, this is my only way to get a bit of fix about chatting about Doctor Who. So um, I thought it would be nice to do a classic one. Sucky said, I don't really care what I talk about. So left it all to Ben. And Ben, which episode did you choose for us to talk about? Uh, I chose the 1965 classic, The Powerful Enemy, also known as The Rescue Order Up. <laughs> <laughs> the Rescue. Rescue me. Or take me in your arms. Rescue me. I want your tender charm because I'm lonely and I'm blue. I need you and your love to come on and rescue me. Come on, baby, and rescue me. Okay. Yes. Talk us through your choice, young Benjamin. Well, have you got an hour? Well, no, yeah. I'm going to get you. Like, <laughs> we've got about 45 minutes. <laughs> All right. I, I have a, okay. I have a very specific reason why I chose the rescue. Okay. Um, you got the hots for Vicky? And, and like most everything else in my life, it's, it's pretty much based in anger and rage and frustration and uh, when I think of you, Ben, uh, that's 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 the key things I think about when I think about you: <laughs> anger, rage, frustration. Frustration, exactly, yeah. man. And you know what better place than you know the internet as a place for anger, rage, and frustration? So hey, I feel right at home, man. It's amazing. Okay, <laughs> I went with the rescue because. Uh, way back in 2016, say around Christmas 2016, mm -hmm. um, I sat down and watched a 
uh, episode of Doctor Who called Twice Upon a Time. Mm, yes. And have you have you guys seen it? Have you guys seen this, Suki? <laughs> we, yeah, Mark? we might have just yeah. Kind of... You might have seen it. All right, yeah, okay, yeah. good, good. I just want to make sure we've all we're all coming from the same place here. So, I watched Twice Up upon a time with genuine interest because I thought that the old tele movie, that thing that Mark, that Mark Gatiss wrote and adventure in space and time or time and space. I thought it was done with genuine, with genuine heart, you know, genuine. It was done with genuine affection for the old guard, for Billy Hartnell as played by David uh, Bradley. So I was really looking forward to twice up on it, up on a time, but Oh, Oh Christ. I, I was not prepared (laughs) for the horror. The sexism, the chauvinism, the nonstop misogyny, the nonstop bigoted comments. I did not recognize the first doctor at all. This was not William Hartnell's first doctor. And I'm not criticizing David Bradley's portrayal. I'm Mm -hmm. talking about how the first doctor was written, how the first doctor was changed. Stephen Moffat completely rewrote the character. Mm -hmm. Moffat had completely changed the first doctor into a sexist prick full of male ego stupidity and uh, mark see, i swear to god i ran out of walls to bang my head against they don't make enough walls man i just i cannot begin to tell you the there's, frustration there's, yes no i just jump in go on no, please. i'm just saying that there's there's I've listened to other podcasts where they're, they're the the portrayal of that first doctor in that story mm. was really really not very positive at all. So I can understand where you come from. I personally, myself, I think it was a terrible portrayal, but the story was very, very genuinely moving the way they did it. Mm. But the, the character of the doctor himself, yeah, uh, I think shame. they just took snippets of certain aspects that were around in the sixties and decided to use him in that story when they could have just, mm. as, just as easy as use, just use the, the first doctor proper instead of, some of the mm. attitudes and the traditions and the way things were done in the 60s. Yeah, so I can understand where you're coming from there, Ben. Well, thank you. And I have I have heard that argument that uh, that the reason Moffat did it was to, was to sort of shine a light on the whole uh, um, problematic sexism and chauvinism that the old show had. But the, my big issue with it was he did it by tainting the legacy of a character who was not known known for that. And because of that, I was genuinely offended. I mean, I was a, I, I am a huge fan of uh, black of the uh, black and uh, white years, you know. I mean, I, I love the William Hartnell doctor. And I'm sure twice upon a time was an introduction to millions of people to the first doctor. But what do they think about him now? Mm. You know, and I know that the 60s were a different time politically, and there's plenty in there for us to roll our, you know, eyes at. But I I just keep coming back to the fact that the first Doctor was never this blatantly sexist. And yet twice upon a uh, time goes out of its way to tell us that sexism and ugly male chauvinism defined the first Doctor. But it was never there to the extent that Moffat is insisting. And, and so I, I guess, and it, it, it's, it's just, he, he basically tainted a character to make some sort of a point and tainted this character's legacy. And and speaking of tainting a uh, legacy, it's kind of insulting to Verity 
Lambert, Mm -hmm. insisting that the first doctor was a constant sexist big bigot. And people hold Verity up as like a god, you know, like like a champion for women's uh, rights. Mm -hmm. So do we really think that Verity Lambert would have would have let the Stephen Moffat version of the first doctor happen? And. You, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really getting on on a roll. This this is a podcast about the uh, rest. <laughs> <laughs> but no, 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 no. If you need to get it off your chest, yeah. Let, thank let, thank let, you, let's thank do you it. so let's much. We're in the trust tree here. Thank you, man. Because because <laughs> come to think of it, the real sexism that stands out in my freaking memory of early Doctor Who came after the first Doctor's time. I mean, look at Jamie. Look at Bri- at the uh, Brigadier. That is when male chauvinism really, really showed up. You know what I mean? They were <coughs> always saying... <coughs> what? <coughs> what? <coughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, thank yeah. you. Pertly. It, yeah, that... I mean, they were always saying stuff like, well, you're just a woman. You can't go and do this dangerous man work. You know, they were always saying that. And I honestly cannot remember the first Doctor ever having lines... Anywhere like uh, this. And in fact, if the first Doctor did, it would have been featured prominently in all of all of those clip shows that mm-hmm. love to highlight how messed up and not politically correct the old show was. I mean, do you guys remember in the uh, moon base when uh, Troughton tells Polly to go and make some uh, coffee? coffee? Yeah. Right. And then there's like the invasion where the brigadier is telling Isabel and, and Zoe that they can't go and take photos of Cybermen because they're just silly little uh, girls. And they're like, oh, you, uh, man, you know, and, and all that. And, <laughs> and <clears throat> but <clears throat> you can't for, forget those gems because they keep playing them over mm-hmm. and over. But where is Hartnell's devastating sexist soundbite? Where is it? So <laughs> basically <laughs> what I'm getting at. After I watched Twice Upon a Time back in 2016, I fell into this dub at this this fan depression because it I was just utterly devastated how the how awful the character had been the- rewritten and repurposed. So I went to my DVD shelf and I pulled out the rescue. This is a podcast about the rescue, obviously. You know, <laughs> that was the story I used as a palate cleanser because it it. That story holds a very special place in my little fanboy heart because it's the story where I sort of fell in love with the first Doctor's uh, uh, character. It's it's from a very specific moment, and um, but you know, based on the first Doctor that 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 we see in Stephen Moffat's Twice uh, Upon a Time, you would expect the rescue to be full of first doctor dialogue like oh hello there vicky you can replace my uh granddaughter i need someone to wash my pants and, and uh, clean my dentures you all do nice but no none of that not once does the first doctor in the rescue ever make a double entrant he never slaps vicky on on the ass he, okay okay it's okay i think we might, have to, we might have to get right. an intervention here yeah i'm just saying i think there's <laughs> you're right mate <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And and so I I guess the point that I'm trying to make is anybody who is new to Doctor Who that saw twice upon a uh, time, they they will come away with the feeling that the first doctor was an absolute monster, that he was this Harvey Weinstein grandpa guy. And I cannot blame them for having that impression. And 
so they may completely skip the first uh, doctor's stories because they're there because they would probably be feeling like, well, I don't want to go and watch a sexist guy for three years. And they would truly miss how wonderful and loving the first uh, doctor's character actually uh, was. And the rescue is a prime example of the first doctor's charm. And that is why I picked it because I really needed to get all this off of, <laughs> off of my chest. I think I it's think a chance the to internet, set the record straight. Yes. I think that the internet needed to hear what I had to say. <laughs> three, I mean, three years after the actual episode aired, you managed to get to say it. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for oh, calling you're me up. Well, anyway, it's been lovely to talk to you. And uh, so that's the end of the episode. And uh, Oh, yeah, the rescue. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to talk about the rescue. Now uh, you guys can see. Before you had gone. Right, the bit that I was trying to say. I'm so sorry. It's all right. The the bit that I was trying to say. A lot of you could look at it that there's probably little bits of sexism in the first three years of Doctor William Hartnell's era. There probably is, Mm. Uh, but I think there's also that bit in the Five Doctors where the Doctor comes in with played by I can't remember his name, Richard Herndall. Yes. uh, When he walks in and tells Tegan to go and make the tea, Tegan. Mm -hmm really wants to fight back. But, of course, Fifth Doctor just steps in and goes, uh, just do as he says. This is the way he used to be. like, mm. right? So basically telling the woman to go and uh, <laughs> make the tea. right? So, again, a lot of people's impressions of the First Doctor were also born from that story. Yeah. Because uh, uh, William Martinell, uh series is finished in, what, 66? Mm-hmm. And uh, Five Doctors, 83, that's 17 years later. So there's a lot of... A lot of people wouldn't have seen a William Hartnell story. So that five doctors were also giving them a big impression of how the first, that character was. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of it could also come from the five doctors and not just from once upon a, uh, once upon a time, twice upon a time. Suki, I have one thing to say to you, sir. What's that? <laughs> yes. Thank you. I honestly think that Stephen Moffat, has never seen the black and white series. I think everything he knows about the first Doctor is based on Richard Bloody Herndall from the Five Doctors. I think you're Don't absolutely blame right. Richard Herndall. <laughs> you've got to blame Terence Dix for that. Oh uh, yeah, let's Richard have a go, Herndall. Terence Dix. Hey, Uncle Terence, you've got to blame yeah. Uncle Terence. But 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 you know that's like kind of what I mean. Like before the the new series came up, and you couldn't really watch the old series. A lot of people's impressions of the old doctors were based on the five doctors. I mean, it, it like was the first video I ever actively went out and bought, mm-hmm. and um, I had I had never seen the first through. I had I had never seen Hartnell, Troughton, Pertwee. I had never seen Davison. It, it was sort of my introduction to all of those guys. Mm-hmm. So my ideas of them were kind of almost formed by that. And and so I think that today someone who might be interested in the old series will see twice upon a time and think, why the hell would I want to invest time watching these old black and white shows? If I'm just going to be, you know, pummeled with nonstop sexism and misogyny. So, but as you said, most people aren't going to go to the black and white shows straight away. They're going to go to a color version, mm. color show, and the color ones are three doctors and five doctors, where uh, the character of the first doctor appears. And if uh, Hartnell hardly appears in the in no. uh, the three doctors, but Richard Erndall does have a prominent part 
E five doctors. Now mm -hmm. a lot of people's impressions have said uh, there's what 1983 to whenever 20, 33 years later. Yeah. 23, 30, 30 odd years later, there, there's hardly been any other impression of William Hartnell apart from the adventure in time and space. So the people's going to be tainted by the five doctors more for old school fans more mm. than they are. And but for casual fans, yeah, you're right. A lot of people would be thinking that is how the first doctor acted, <laughs> performed, and was oh, towards it. So now oh, we've got that off our chests. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get to the rescue. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Saki. Um, no worries, mate. <laughs> thank you, Saki. Benjamin. Okay. Yeah, Mark, you can you can start the podcast right here. Benjamin. Okay. <laughs> ben, this is your opportunity yes, to make sir. a case yes. for the first Doctor, and using the rescue as an example, tell us just why he's so great. He comes across. No, he doesn't come across. He is a genuine, loving, warm character i mean he is this the 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 rescue is such a palate cleanser for twice uh, upon a time because it's showing the william hartnell doctor at his absolute best i mean he is funny he's charm it, it it's just non-stop charm from uh like from like um hartnell i mean from the moment that he's like sleeping through the tardis landing to just everything he's saying with uh, Ian while they're on the ledge to that that kick-ass moment at the very end when he's con uh, when he's confronting uh, the villain quote unquote mm. in the in the uh, in, in the tip I mean Hartnell is just he's so confident and he so knows that role and he there is nothing hateful in it uh, he is just an absolute charm to, yeah. to, to watch and i'll tell you the moment that got me the moment that made me fall in love with the uh, first doctor I, I mean i kind of uh, liked him because when, when i was watching the uh show our uh, public tv um station here they had bought the rights to the um existing black and the white show so mm -hmm. so i actually got to see it Every week, starting with um, the very, very first one and working its uh, way up, and mm -hmm. you know, at, at first I didn't really like him. I liked the I liked the show, yeah, but I, I didn't recognize him as the Doctor because in in the beginning he was so and and antagonistic, he was so yeah. crotchety. He was never sexist, mm -hmm. but he was definitely antagonistic. And in the in the uh, rescue, there's that moment after uh, Barbara. You know, guns down Vicky's pet. A oh, yeah, let's, let's just talk yeah. about that for a second, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Barbara. And, I mean, come on. She was, for a lot of people, myself included, she's one of the best mm -hmm. companions, but she really, oh, she lets herself down in this. I mean, I think just, she was, she was still had bloodlust from killing the Daleks in the yeah, uh, talk about shoot first and ask questions later. Jesus. <laughs> it's just a bit of a strange character moment for her. But yeah, yeah. She's she's just she doesn't know the planet. She just sees an alien mm. creature. You got to understand, and she's got a weapon at hand. Maybe yeah. she could have shouted a warning for it first, but no. Yeah, it's, it is a bit of a strange. But as Ben's saying about uh, uh, William Hartnell's portrayal in this, I haven't mm. seen the Hartnell story for many years. I'm going to tell you this now: for mm -hmm. many, many years, for some yeah. reason, I just didn't want to watch. 
And then, oh, it's because you thought he was a sexist <laughs> monster, right? Sorry, go on, go on. I was I was persuaded by Richard Erdl's performance. Yeah, I'll back <laughs> the But anyway, um, I decided uh, uh, when I watched it, and you're right, he's very genuine. It's mm-hmm. moving. It's very funny. It, it, it comes across as uh, very warm towards Vicky, especially when she realizes she's. I'm just watching it now in front of the screen, and she's. Mm-hmm. Just beckoned, beckoned her over to sit next to him. And Thank just, you. That was looking most... at him, looking at her with mm-hmm. genuine uh, warmth towards her, uh, care, concern, and you could see what a great character actor he was because he's also doing the comedy moments earlier on and the uh, the serious moments, uh, sort of like the action moments with Ian. So I can see why the, you picked this story out of all of them, Rick, to showcase that, that moment. That moment that you had just mentioned where he quietly beckons to to Vicky to come in to sit by him, yeah. that was the moment I fell in love with the first Doctor because he's looking at her with so much kindness and compassion and understanding for how she's feeling. I mean, I, I mean, you, you know, like before that, he 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 like quietly tells Ian and Barbara to leave, yeah. and and like he just he he just looks at Vicky and. Beckons are over, and it—it it was it's just something about that moment just always stayed with me. And you know, to to be honest, after I watched twice upon a time, I I I really did feel genuinely hurt. And that moment where he beckons to um where he beckons to Vicky that that has always stayed with me. So that's why I, I went and I got the rescue and I put it in the player because I wanted to. Re, re remind myself that the first doctor is really great and loving and caring and that moment just just highlighted it for me well, so this, sorry this is, to no, 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 this is the i mean as it says i haven't seen the hartnell for some for, for many years and i just don't know why i have i haven't watched the hartnell i've watched trout and i've watched pertwee baker i've watched everybody except for hartnell and i just don't know why and then when Watching this rescue again just reminded me what a great character actor William Hartnell was. I mean, he's got the, the all the other regulars were brilliant in this as well. Mm. Uh, maybe Barbara's little moment with Sandy was a bit uh, bit out of character, <laughs> mm. and then uh, but the others, well, all of them really were very very good. Isn't it? Isn't it interesting that it's Barbara <laughs> that kills the beast and not one of the male characters? Because then I think you can make a case for it's toxic masculinity, you know, shoot, shoot first. And, but it's, it's Barbara and it's, I, I, I really also, wonder how much you, Verity, Verity, Verity Lambert was in there making sure that, that, that it, that it wasn't just the boys are the only action and the girls are always They uh, had a scared. problem, didn't they, on the set um, when they actually filmed that scene because they hadn't, I, I get the impression they hadn't rehearsed the scene and they knew there was going to be an uh-huh. explosion but they weren't aware of just how big it was going to be. And let's be fair, poor Barbara, she's got enough hairspray on that barnet of hers to really... <laughs> and I'm surprised it didn't all go up. Uh, but yeah, I think she was quite shaken by that, wasn't she? Uh, yeah. If I remember watching the uh, the documentary afterwards. But no, I think you're right. It's, um, it's quite an interesting point to come in at because this is the first time we've lost one of the, the regular cast. So now you've got Vicky coming in as the sort of... Well, wow, it's a bit harsh to say the surrogate granddaughter because I think certainly, well, I don't know if she unfortunately ends up with the same sort of 
issues that Susan had. Because um, I haven't watched too many Vickies, I'm trying to remember now. But certainly in this, there isn't story, that many. Well, there isn't yeah, that many Vickies nah, after this anyway. Really, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll tell you guys a. I'll tell you guys a secret. I, I prefer Vicky to Susan. Yeah, and I don't too. know if that's blasphemy. I, yes, no. I, I think, I almost think Vicky is Susan done better. Well, I, I, she's, she's like a unearthly er child, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, she's <laughs> just not like... <laughs> uh, poor Susan. Um, she spent most of her time sort of tripping over and hurting her ankle, whereas... Oh, and she was always panicking uh, and yeah, freaking, freaking out all the time. You know, you're oh. thinking, well, you're an alien. You know, you've seen all these worlds and you should be able to... Well, maybe I'm just being really harsh, but you think no. she'd be able to handle it better. But, I mean, Vicky comes <laughs> think... across so well and she just... I think it's a really good um, episode for her to just to, as an actress to show off what she can do because she really has to... You know, handle everything that's thrown at her. And I think she does a really good I mean, job. She does a lot. I mean, she like uh, starts out as being gen- gen- genuinely excited, mm-hmm. and then when Bennett shoots her down, y- you can see the look on her face and everything she goes through in the episode. She she does seem to go through every single checkbox, in, in, you know, feeling. And mm-hmm. I I I wonder if part of the problem with Susan is I wonder the way she was written. Was she supposed to be like 12 or 14? She and instead... 15, 16, wasn't she? Somewhere around oh, about that sort of age. Because she, the way she's written, it's almost like she's almost like a grade school kid. and mm. But mid-20s actress is playing her. And it, it because it always kind of never really gelled right for me. And I don't know. I mean, And, and obviously it didn't gel for uh, Carol Ann Ford because... She got out as soon yeah. as she could. <laughs> so. the, the writers looked at it. They needed somebody in peril during Susan's era. And they needed somebody in peril. So they, they had to make one of the characters peril in, in trouble all the while. And it had to mm-hmm. be Susan. It wasn't going to be Ian, the male character. And it wasn't going to be really Barbara. Because Barbara could probably think for herself and get out of these sorts of situations. Mm-hmm. And Susan came across as like a petulant child. Because she was the doctor's granddaughter. And she maybe she could rant and rave towards him a bit more than I just tend Vicky to think of her as whining quite a lot from the memories yeah. I've got of the stories I've seen her. It's probably really yeah. harsh on the actress, but uh, yeah. I that's... mean, have you guys seen uh, uh, Edge of Destruction lately? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's she, goes she, she like is that. she's hard to watch in that. I mean, she's really like overacting, I I think. And it's 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 weird. It's it's like you you see how much Hartnell warms up to Vicky, like almost immediately. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like and I I uh know you guys said that you haven't seen many uh Vicky ep- episodes, but that that uh, genuine caring feeling stays throughout the whole time that Vicky is actually there. And it's it's funny because it's like the doctor is super fond of her and I it's almost like having Vicky there instead of Susan gives the doctor the freedom to kind of be more loose and laid and laid back because mm-hmm. whenever Susan was there, he always had to, you know, he uh, couldn't always go off on a uh, limb as much nah. because he had to protect his, uh, his uh, granddaughter. But mm-hmm. Vicky is not, is not related to him. So it seems like there was more kind of freedom to just, let don't want to have fun. Wants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Great. I just absolutely love it. And um 
it's also funny that Vicky is the first person who's a voluntary member, you know, as opposed to being uh, kidnapped and <laughs> taken off. So. <laughs> well, I just think, you know, cutting to the chase here in this particular yeah. story. No, not the chase. That's another story. Um, <laughs> that's an end of an era. Yeah. Um, I think it's very amusing that, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this, you've got what ostensibly is a classic 60s Doctor Who monster with a slightly iffy-looking mask, which turns mm-hmm. out to be a guy in a slightly iffy-looking mask. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's just... It's just a, there's, there's bits in the story where, when you look at it, you think, mm-hmm. how did they get... Uh, had, why doesn't Vicky question some of the things that are mm-hmm. happening and <laughs> why she hasn't done it? And you just... Then you have to just think, go with the story, let it go. But... I mean, there's a bit where Kukulian's spouse have walked into the uh, the cabin where Bennett is, mm. and then and there's no way to come out of that little room. And then Bennett walks back out and says, Kukulian's gone. How did he get out? <laughs> and nobody's asking. <laughs> nobody's asking. So, yeah, mm. there, there's a bit of dodgy plot lines there. But, you know, other than that, Bennett was a great the actor who played him. Yeah, Ray, he did a Ray great Barney. job, didn't he? Well, there was a great big gaping hole in the side of the uh, ship. I mean, maybe Kerkillian walked out of that or, yeah, you know. Maybe, but can, can, can I just say, though, I am totally okay with the big reveal that Kerkillian has been in a uh, mask. I, I am totally fine with that because – up until this point in the uh, in the show, I have seen the the uh, uh, Vord. Oh, I've yeah. seen the uh, I've seen the Sensorites. Mm-hmm. I've seen the uh, pet Slither of the uh, big uh, <laughs> Dalek guy. You know, and they are all obviously guys in silly masks. Mm-hmm. But in the actual but in the actual reality of the uh, show, they were seen to be actually real. Yeah. So I had no reason to think that the co Killian guy was, you know, fake mm-hmm. because he looked as real as any uh, Vord did. And man, Sandy looked more fake than co Killian, <laughs> and Sandy what? was freaking real. Yes. So, <laughs> I'm totally cool with it. All right, the actual monster Sandy was uh, what quite a and, great and, design that is. Look, and and I was actually look. I was actually surprised when Coquillian took off the mask and uh, it was Bennett because I had been trained to see the dodgy spe- special effects on Doctor Who as you know real to to accept it. So mm-hmm. I I actually thought it was really really I don't know I I I just tack it up to being charming again. I just <laughs> I love the story. <laughs> yeah, this is a charming little story. It is a fantastic little story, and I can't really fault anything about it uh, except for there's a couple of plots but other than that yeah, it's yeah. a great little two-parter introduces a brand new character and she's brilliant uh all the regulars had a great time there's a good evil villain he's mm. an evil villain killed everybody uh that yeah, he could cold, before he... Yeah. yeah and just Can to make just sure that we found out about his murder on the ship mm. <laughs> Can we just get back to how cool that moment is where the doctor is standing in that dark temple and Koa Co- Killian comes in and the, the doctor is talking to him and he doesn't even turn to face him. He's just mm. got his back to him the whole time. Badass. I mean, that was badass. Yes. And so 
so you see the uh, doctor in this in, in this little two part episode being charming, being funny, being scared, and then being a complete badass. I mean, this episode has everything for him. It's I love it. <laughs> that seems really well lit as well, isn't it? For you know, when you yeah. consider like the eighties, how overlit it got, and to the point where it's like super super bright. But that just looks so atmospheric. Yeah, they did and, a great and job. And then on that. isn't it the doctor who actually strikes first? I yeah. mean, doesn't he pick up Bennett's yeah, kind of big yeah. weird wrench thing? And, like, <laughs> and then he has like a sword or something and he's slashing mm-hmm. it out of it. That was, oh, that yeah, was great. He's, <laughs> he's really going for it. Pick up any weapon he could. <laughs> oh, and when, whenever the um, two guys in the, uh, the uh, tracksuits came in at the very end, I, I used to think that those guys were supposed to be ghosts. What, what did you guys think? I mean, uh, I think if you, it's real. If you read the book, they do think do seem to say that they were ghosts. Ah. Or I've never read the book. Have how, you read how the, different is the book? I again, you you talk the budget's to the a lot person. higher, I think. But. Yeah, <laughs> your imagination can take you anywhere. Yeah, but uh, yeah. the the book I haven't read. Ooh, since it first came out, I think I was collecting them monthly at that stage when they were coming out, and I, I read it then. But uh, I'm pretty sure at the end of the book, they seem to think the way that they seem to be like uh, uh, not real. The, the creatures are like vapor. Oh. But again, I can't remember. It's been such a long time since I read that book. But again, you ask yourself about these these planet these people on the planet Dido. They're supposed yeah. to be peaceful, loving race. The doctor's adamant that they've always been peaceful, but they've got that trap. That's where they got. What, what's the point That's of a deadly trap for a peaceful, <laughs> loving planet? Yes, it is. Right. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if anybody else picked up on that. It's a bit Game of Thrones, I, wasn't it? Yeah, I just noticed it straight away. The Doctor, all the way through the episode, the planet to die out, the, pe- the, pe- the race that live there, mm-hmm. they are all peace loving people. They've only, there's only a hundred or so people, uh, people that live on this planet, and they live in peace, harmony, everything. And then all of a sudden, they're going to go to sledge. It's a trap. Oh, they've got deadly, deadly blades. I'm going to fall over the edge. Uh, why? Where did this suddenly think? Just for a cliffhanger for a Doctor Who story. Maybe the planet. Well, didn't he say that there's only like a couple hundred people that actually lived on the planet? Maybe, maybe there used to be a lot more, and they got rid of all the troublemakers before the Doctor came the first time. How did and they get rid of the point, point? Feeding them to Sandy. That's how they did it. So oh, yeah. that's that's yeah, cold. It's a good job Vicky turned it, turned Sandy into a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> now, in Sandy's defense, um, some of the most violent animals in like the jungle are vegetarians like uh, what is it uh elephant and uh hippos they're all vegetarians and they they kill more people each year than and i'm saying this like i actually know what, what the actual <laughs> i swear i have heard that hippo that hippopotamuses kill more people in in africa each year than any other animal and they're just leaf munchers aren't aren't they so yeah i'm sure sandy gonna get a lot of angry vegetarians writing in <laughs> My wife, probably one of them, but there you go. Oh. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything. I'm a vegetarian, so oh, I'm not saying go. anything. I can't remember. How many people have you killed, Suki? Yeah, come on. Suki, come on. Come clean. I will tell you, but if you look under my patio, you'll see something. 
<laughs> Does your patio have like a uh, ten foot chasm and people kind of going on ledges <laughs> across it every so day? I have got lights side. coming out of the wall. Yes, there you go. You you yes. you keep. But it I, real I only use that for fun because they're all very fairly <laughs> blunt, you, know? you know. So you can you can skip over them. Oh, man. oh, something else I love about this that craft spaceship is absolutely adorable. I said it. Well, that's Raymond I mean, Cusick it, it, again, isn't it? Yeah, the guy who the Daleks. What? The Union Jack flag on the side. The British, yeah. British are in space. <laughs> yeah. You know that. That's it's, why it crashed. It's funny, because the previous episode, they leave um, Susan and what's his name, her boyfriend, to, mm-hmm. to like basically rebuild um, in, in England, right? Yeah. And then in the rescue, you see a spaceship with the Union Jack on it. So that means Susan and her boyfriend did their mission right they basically re rebuilt england and england is back in space so is that closure for susan's story in like a weird way or am i reading way too much into this uh, maybe a little bit <laughs> <laughs> i'm just glad you got twice upon a time out of your system because you know Thank I, you. I was worried you're gonna have some sort of aneurysm I, I feel 10 pounds lighter i really really do you know but uh, I, I i really love how that wrecked spaceship is completely broken up in two and yet the the most fragile thing on it that radar dish is perfectly functioning straight <laughs> up to me turning uh, it's so cute i love it <laughs> they got a really nice hi-fi system on it as well real oh, yeah. take deck and you know and decent amplifier that, that rescue guy that that guy that that guy calling him mm-hmm. you know um, yeah. the Tom Sheridan. Is a total jerk <laughs> he is like, i mean like Okay, to be fair, maybe uh, Vicky is calling him like every single hour. Yeah, you know? that's the impression and... I'm getting. <laughs> <laughs> like, like an annoying yes, yes, we're coming. <laughs> Go, we're coming. Yeah. <laughs> but he's just like, yes, yes, we're coming. Dido out or whatever. I don't know. Just Oh, that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you do know the actor that played uh, the captain on that. He's actually uh, the, uh, Sandy in the, uh, the monster outfit. No. What? Yeah, <laughs> Tom Sheridan played Sandy the creature, and uh, he played the the voice of uh, the voice of the captain. Wow! And he was meant to be playing. Was it? I think he was meant to be playing one of the the the, the species that right at the end, mm. the two uh, extras. He should have been the... one of them. Yeah, the, okay. the, the aliens. But uh, he never. Uh, Something happened. Uh, it might have been union rules. You can't play more than three characters I'll, in a series. I'll like bet that. I know why. Because at the very end, when those two track-suited Dido guys come into the spaceship, they can hear the rescue captain on the actual radio calling in. Mm. You, you know, And then they go and they tear it up. They probably didn't have enough money to make a recording of uh, the guy <laughs> and then play it back. So they probably... They, they probably needed him to be sitting off uh, offset and talking in uh, to a mic, and that's why oh, he couldn't sense. play that. So, yeah. Oh, I love the '60s. I love their just their the the way they had the guy in the suit be the uh, captain, and just how they were making stuff out of string and oh gosh, definitely out of string on this show. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's an absolute joy, man. It's an absolute joy to watch, and like. Do you, do you remember in the very big beginning when the TARDIS lands and the doctor is sleeping in that really cool chair and that mm. really cool chase lounge thing, you know? And, like, you know, Ian wakes him up 
and the the doctor gets up and he's patting Ian on the uh, cheek, and then Barbara's like, "Doctor, the trembling has stopped." And he, <laughs> oh, I'm so glad for you. It's, it's so much fun to watch these three people who really like each other just just playing and having fun. And maybe it's just me, but I cannot get enough of watching William Hartnell running around the TARDIS console and flicking buttons. I absolutely love that. He was super and, committed to it as well, wasn't he? Because he... where is the angry, grumpy sexist that Moffat tells us the first Doctor is? Because I ain't seeing it, you know. <laughs> and only, and then and then the moment when he absentmindedly asks Susan to open the uh, oh, door, yes. and then he just stops and he looks off to the uh, side. I mean, that was great because he 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 didn't telegraph that he was about to say something poignant. I mean, he just stops short and looks aside and. It, like you said, Sig, he is a really lovely character character actor, and what a great yeah, you you great actor, great performance in this story. But you've got to give props to uh, David Whitaker as well. I mean, he's been script editor for the last year, so mm. he knows these characters inside out anyway. So he knows what how Hartnell would play, it, how uh, William Russell would play, it, and how Jacqueline Hill would play. So he could always go around make making sure the characters and the dialogue fits the actors. And their performances. Great point. So you've that, got to give big yeah. props to uh, David Whitaker here as well. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, I've always liked David Whitaker because I think he wrote the two best Dalek stories ever, and Terry Nation didn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, he he, I I am right, right? I mean, he wrote yeah. Power of the Daleks. Power and, and, and Evil. Yeah. And, and Evil, yeah. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Mm. Oh, watching the extras on the DVD, they were saying that this – Story got higher ratings than um, Dalek Invasion of Earth. Thirteen million. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> Fantastic, and it got into the top ten as well for that week. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I think we can all agree it's a rather charming, lovely story. Very, very charming, lovely, very fantastic. It's just brilliant. Uh, you just got to as. Ben's quite happy now. Uh, we, we, you know, we brought him back from the edge, and so I mean, three years he's been waiting to get rid of this off his chest. Wow! And he, he had a full head of hair just, when he started watching that program. We, we have helped him, I think. Yeah. And uh, you know, we'll be sending you a check in the post. Right, you can get off that couch. <laughs> bye bye. I can finally grow a beard. I think I can finally have it in me now to actually grow a beard. All that hate and anger and was just holding back the hair, you, you know. And, and now it's just ready to go, man. Sucky, I'm interested. To, I'm interested to know. I knew you was going to come to something about me, Bobby. No, I wasn't going to say anything about that at all. All right, okay, go on then. It is very luxurious, though. Um, I'll let you. I'll let you stroke it one day. Oh, thank you. Promises. Uh, now I was going to say, now that you've bitten the bullet and actually watched a Hartnell for the first time in a long time, do you think he Ooh, might yeah. end up going back and watching a bit more now? Well, the thing is, uh, when when you were put this idea that we was going to be doing the rescue. Mm. I hadn't actually got a copy of the DVD for The Rescue. Mm. And I knew it came in a box set with um, The Romans. That's right. The uh, Romans so, is fantastic. And you, was, yeah, you told me to go, uh, what was it, Dolby, Dolby Nation? What is it? Daily uh, Mail? It's, it's uh, yeah, it rhymes with Maley Dotion. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was on there somewhere. Yeah. But I thought, nah. I went to my mate's place and, uh, and I knew he'd got it. So I borrowed that off, mm-hmm. off him. I'm going to end up watching The Rescue, uh, The Romans, I should oh, say. Oh, The Romans is uh, fantastic. In the next week or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll end up watching that. So, yeah, it has. Yeah, it, 
I mean, I've got a few. I've got. I'm looking over my shoulder right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. I what do you, what do you actually have to choose from? I have got quite a few up here of uh, Hartnell's era. Uh, I think. I think the Rescue and Romans, the Chase, uh, and um, what was the other one? Uh, there's a Space Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few of them that I haven't actually got, mm-hmm. but the rest I've actually got. So I can always pick one. Uh, Did you say that you had the chase? No, I haven't got the chase. Oh, okay. No, it's okay. one of the ones I've got to get. Okay. Uh, but uh, now that they're releasing them on Blu-ray, I'm not actually going to be mm, going out of my way to try to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I understand I'm, that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if they're all going to come out on Blu-ray, I don't really want to be looking unless it suddenly appears in one of these cheap charity shops or second-hand shops for a, a couple of quid. You'll know have a word with Hayden, who was on our last episode. He's... Oh, no, the jammy bugger. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the uh, uh, the uh, chase is another story that people seem to really don't like, and I've never oh, understood it. Well, I think I understand it, but... The I kind of see the chase in almost the same way I see the uh, uh, rescue because, yeah, it's got a lot of dodgy stuff in it. But the actual character work in it and the character interactions specifically between um, Dr. Ian Barber and uh, Vicky, it's gold. I mean, there's so many warm, funny, personable moments. And it's I've I've always kind of found I think one of the reasons I like this, the uh, 60s so much is even though the special effects are darling and cheap and adorable and embarrassing, the actual character work is so good that I can always look look past every, anything dodgy. I mean, th- there are so many moments in the uh, uh, chase that are just heartwarming. And if you ever get a chance, that is actually one I would uh, recommend uh, w- from from this specific point of view. You know, it's got some plot holes. It's got some weird effects. It's got some, eh, why why did they do that? But yeah, Hartnell's got a Dalek falling and, off the edge of the oh, Marie Celeste. I mean, what more do you Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I can't help it, man. I remember well, that, many, <laughs> many moons ago, uh, J.R. Southall of Strangers in Space, formerly Blue Box Podcast, invited a whole bunch wow. of us over to his house once and decided we would watch um, The Chase. And there was yeah. a mixture of sort of nerds like me and him and uh, people who don't really tend to watch Doctor Who very much at all. And I think everyone really How thoroughly that... enjoyed it. They loved it. Oh, good. Good. Oh, I mean, some, that, some of that... it was, you know, that's... typical sort of looking at thinking, oh, my God, that's mm-hmm. hilarious. And uh, But I think they genuinely enjoyed it. Well, I think that was kind of Verity Lambert's approach to the uh, show. I mean, she was trying to make it for everybody, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't all – I mean, she was trying to make a fun show, bottom uh, line. And if you look at it from that point of view, the chase is absolute fun, and I, I, I love it. I will defend it to the end, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, uh, from what I remember of the chase, uh, again, many years since it's, it is a very fun show. Fun, fun serial. Going from one set into another, you just don't know what's going on. The whole Mary Celeste bit, the haunted house bit. Uh, it is a very, very good serial. It's just maybe when you've got classics within that era anyway, it just mm. sort of falls to the wayside and you think, okay, this could have been done a bit better, that could have been done a bit better. Why did, why did they have Peter Burvis in a, a dodgy <laughs> uh, Texan accent? <laughs> Right. Um, well, you've yeah. been uh, listening to my dodgy accent for about <laughs> an hour. 
Yeah, Aaron. but I'm impressed with your Dundee accent. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've actually studied. Well, you, you know, if you compare the chase to something like the Sensorites, like the Sensorites, it's slow, it's plotting, and it's all in the same three sets. Mm-hmm. The uh, freaking chase is changing planets and locations sometimes within the same ep- episode. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I love how varied it is, you know? It's just... I really oh, wish oh, they'd man. find the Daleks' master plan because that's oh the my god, yes. for that. But that is yes. exactly, <laughs> but that is exactly the wow. same storyline as basically the chase. Are you trying to say that Terry out. Nation just kept regurgitating well, the same story I'm over and over? How dare you? That popular myth that seems to go around <laughs> every year. Although only Terry Nation only wrote half of the of the uh, master no, that's plan true, and yeah. very little of that half. The rest of it was it David Whitaker. Uh, or was Spooner, it Dennis Spooner? Yeah. It's Dennis Spooner. Okay, because actually the master plan is oh, hand to heart. That is my favorite Doctor oh, Who episode of all time. I do love it. Oh, my God. And from the way I understand it, um, Terry Nation didn't really write the first couple of scripts. He sort of wrote an outline and a couple of things, a dialogue, and he kind of just dumped it onto the story editor to kind of finish it. Who was Dennis Spooner? Was, mm-hmm. was it Dennis Spooner yeah, then? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, Freaking great. And it's got the monk. Oh, love it. <laughs> hey, that's a good one. Uh, Suki, have you seen the uh, uh, time, the time meddler? meddler? Yes, I saw the time meddler when it was repeated. When was okay. It repeated? Back in the 80s, 90s. And I remember watching it there. I've got it on video. I've actually got my recording of that on videotape wow. somewhere. Right. Right. That uh, is a so, great Hartnell. That's a great Hartnell, too. Is a brilliant, um, that, I mean, I like Peter Butterworth. Peter Butterworth, all I remember Peter Butterworth for was from the Carry On movies. Yeah. And he played a buffoon in that. And then you watch him in, in the in the Time Meddler. And oh, he's like a scheming, 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 scheming little man. Mm-hmm. Uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. Um, I have to... I have to Ed, to admit something here, uh, American here talking, I had never seen a carry-on film ever. Oh. And I hear about them mentioned constantly whenever yeah. I watch these uh, I think DVD we talked about it last time. We, last time yeah. when you came on the show, and we talked about I still need to see one. mentioned it, yeah. Yeah, they're, um, um, I don't know how it will come across to an American audience, but... Um, what do you guys think I should watch? Like, what should be my introduction to the <laughs> uh, carry-on <laughs> universe? You are a William Hartnell fan. Mm. Yes. So you're going to yeah. have to watch Carry On Sergeant, which yeah. was the very first Carry On film. Mm-hmm. Is that right. the best one, despite no. it being Hartnell? No. no. I quite I quite like oh. Carry On Nurse, which is the second one, which William yeah, Hartnell doesn't. Do. Uh, shut up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> there's also uh, Carry On Cleopatra, which is fantastic. Oh, that's great. Carry that's, on that's got it just for that one line Infamy, Infamy. They've all got uh, it, Infamy. Don't spoil it for you. I'm Come on. I'm guessing these are really politically uh, uh, correct, and you can w- watch. Them. Um, <laughs> no, no, these, these are the so attitudes of the fifties and sixties. Yeah. Just oh, okay. And if you go to the lighter ones in the seventies, yeah. it gets even more risque. Mm. But so, uh, I'd, if I was you, I'd stick with Carry On Soldier for the William yeah, then okay. do Carry On Cleo, yeah. Carry On. Um, Carry on camping has got to be up there. Uh, carry on camping. Uh, carry on black camping. white color. Sorry, I was talking over you. Sorry. No, no there's, there's some of them are black and white. The black and white ones, William Hart, uh, carry okay. on sword. The rest carry that I've Sergeant. just mentioned, mm-hmm. the rest of all I've just mentioned, they're all color. Okay, so you said carry on sergeant, carry on Cleo, carry on, and what camping. was the third one? Camping, on. streaming, yeah. 
carry on screaming. Oh, carry on screaming. Yeah. If you love classic horror oh. movies, this is that's right. Up hey, have yeah. there been any like uh, people trying to like bring bring that series back? I mean, have has has there been yeah, like a they've modern... attempted yes. it and it's been yes. pretty awful across the board? Yeah. Would you did agree, you watch so? Carry On Columbus? No, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. It sounded absolutely I, terrible. I, it was. I watched it when it was released on deep, uh, video back in the day, and mm. I sat there and I was thinking, and they brought back some of the older character actors that appeared yeah. in the original, and you had June Whitfield in there. Mm-hmm. And Jim Dale was just terrible. I just, I don't think they knew how to, how they were going to portray, put the scene, the comedy as the mm. way it used to be yeah. to a brand new audience, and it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know towards the end of this, the Carry On series, it became more and more uh, uh, seaside humour, but even more dirtier, right? But some of the early ones are just classic, but uh, when they brought it back for Columbus, it was just oh, horrible, horrible, horrible. Yeah, oh. I can't disagree on that. I haven't seen it, but everything <laughs> I've heard from everyone I've spoken to just said it's really, really terrible. I, I just don't think there's an there's something comparable here. I I, I really mm. don't think there is from what I've heard of, about them. It's it's very broad. It it's, so not, it's not Monty Python by any means, but you know, it's, it's so it's old fun. school British. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I I want to see it just almost to see these different actors, and I'm so fam, fam, familiar with in uh, Doctor oh, Who. Yeah, you see, see a whole bunch of those. Things. And, and uh, I I I always hear about that movie uh, that William Hartnell was in uh, the This Sporting Life. Is that is that mm. worth seeing? I've not admit, seen. I haven't seen it either. He was in uh, Brighton oh, Rock okay. as well. I think he was very proud of being in Brighton Rock too. Brighton Rock was a good show. Uh, mm. Film. Never heard of that. Yeah. Okay. That's a Richard Attenborough film, yeah. gangster film, uh, and he was played Richard, Richard Attenborough's sidekick in that, mm-hmm. and he was excellent in that. But Sporting Life, he played this old rugby coach, and uh, I think it was uh, oh, I can't remember who the Richard Harris. Is he Richard mm. Harris as the main lead? Oh, I, I, I can't, can't remember. I can't remember myself. But he was he. He's, from what people have said, that was his best role in his later years. Mm. Uh, so he really enjoyed what people have said. He really enjoyed that role. Man, I just uh, it's it's and, and it's so neat in a weird way and and kind of sad that there really isn't any like interviews with him. I mean, there is that one little bit that's on the tenth uh, uh, planet mm. that that they have found, you know. But it's it's kind of cool in a weird way that that you really don't. Like when, when it, whenever you see William Hartnell, you're seeing the character. You, you don't know what he actually was uh, like no. because his acting is so good. And I don't know. Didn't he, didn't I, he I do just, a Desert Island disc? I was just thinking that myself. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm sure it's on the BBC sure. website. The, yeah, there's oh, a half, did he really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a half an episode of a Desert Island yeah. disc. Really? Yeah. Okay. So if you just have a look on the BBC website and search for. Hey, bad, bad. <laughs> Do we want to rate the rescue? Oh, uh, and how should that, we rate it? There aren't enough numbers to rate it, man. Come on. <laughs> well, whatever rating I'm going to give it, I'm going to have to take away half a point because of that moment when Barbara falls off the uh, cliff and the uh, and the uh, doctor says, "You stupid woman, why didn't you let a man do it?" I, I have to take a point off for that. <laughs> So Mark's out of 10. We'll go to Sucky first. <laughs> Let's give Ben a chance to calm down again. Um, 
I, I was going to, this was going to be like a seven or eight, but I'm just listening to Ben's enthusiasm of this, <laughs> this serial and the, the whole era, William Hartnell era, I'm going to go up to a nine. It's, oh, it's, hey! it's, it's a fantastic little show. Great performances, but all the regulars. And you've got to love Billy Hartnell in this. You've got to love it. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Thank you. Benjamin. It's got its flaws. It's got its plot holes. It's got its stuff on stream. I don't care. It is a nine. It is a solid nine in my heart because I I love spending time with these with these with these characters. I love it. The the two episodes just fly by, and you're not stuck in. Uh, dungeons nice and, and well, chasms, and you're not going through jungles for three episodes. It's 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 a nine. I can't help it. It's, it's actually it's quite a, a good choice, a Ben. Not wishing to praise you too much, uh, because <laughs> for people coming into it and having only really seen the the new series, there are a lot of six parters and seven parters and you know twelve parters or whatever, and wow. it, it could really wear you down if you start watching that. But a two parters, quite snappy. It's, oh. You know, it moves along at a decent pace. Um, and in all the stuff you've already said, you know, the cast is really good, beautifully lit. The set looks really decent, you know, for the amount of budget they've got to work with. And uh, it's a really good first story for Vicky. And uh, as you say, Hartnell is, you know, shows everything that he's capable of. Uh, I'm going to follow suit. I'm going to give it a nine. Cool. So we're going to go for a commercial break right now. And when we come back, I'm going to be asking my guests for their recommendations for our listeners. On your last trip, did you discover what the Earth people eat? They eat a great many of these. They peel them with their metal knives. Boil them for 20 of their minutes. Then they smash them all to bits. They are clearly a most primitive people. For mash, get smash.
and welcome back. So we've now come to that part of the show where uh, we talk about the sort of things we want to recommend to our listeners. And I'm going to start the ball rolling this time. Um, I've got a couple of things I wanted to recommend. Uh, first one, Doctor Who related again. Um, a new book has just come out in the last day or so as we record this. Uh, it is from J.R. Southall's um, Watching Books. And it's another one of his You and Who efforts. Um, there's quite a few of them now. And this yeah. is a uh, a new uh, book. It's called One More Lifetime, and it's a tribute to the Peter Capaldi Doctor. And um, yes, I would imagine probably there will be an essay about uh, Twice Upon a Time in it. But Ben, just what? you know, just just leave just leave it, okay? I'm sure there's going to be lots of other you know really great stories it, that they you might can... just be on the same ballpark <laughs> yeah. as you might. So they might do enough. actually, yeah. I haven't and, got, and to, I haven't got way, to that essay yet, so you might have uh, someone wanna... who actually shares your opinions. Okay, I, I do want to note this. Someone's probably going to write in and say, well, Hartnell did say, I'll give Susan a right jolly slap on her bottom, but that mm-hmm. wasn't meant in a sexist way. It, it was old school grandfather parenting. <laughs> so I get it, all right? But uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, okay, yeah. don't get me mad again, man. Hold me back. <laughs> <laughs> so, I am holding you back. It's very difficult. Thank you, Suki. Don't let me kill again. <laughs> oh, man, don't stop, will you? Oh, you guys. Carry on podcasting. That's ruined my microphone. Anyway, anyway, yes. So it's available now from Amazon and all the usual places. Uh, If you um, just type in you and who on Google, it'll take you to watching books or just type in watching books and all the links are on there. And as ever, the the profits go to charity. Um, So that's that's one recommendation. The other one I've got is more recommendation from my son because he is obsessed at the moment with an Amazon animated series called Pete the Cat. <laughs> really? Yes. Um, so it's based on a series of books, and uh, they decided to do an animated version. It's like a sort of mini-series, really. There's about half a dozen episodes with a Christmas special as well, thrown in for good measure. And uh, features the vocal talents of uh, Diana Krall, uh, Elvis Costello, Katie Tunstall... <laughs> um Heck. Jason Mraz, I don't know how you pronounce his surname. Come on, Ben, you're more hip than me. No, Mraz. Yeah, Mraz. You, you, yeah. you, you basically make you basically make it sound like a uh, car is passing you on the highway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, Dave Matthews from the Dave Matthews band as well. Amongst you know all the kids that what are taking part, it's really it's a kid good. Show, this. It's a kids show, and uh, there's lots of catchy little tunes in there, and there's you know kind of little uh, stories uh, for kids to sort of mull over and it's kind of little um, plays on um, doing the right thing and, you know, just growing up and being a kid and it's just really fun. And uh, I believe they're going to make another series of it. So Pete the Cat on Amazon. Um, It's one of their prime things. So if you've got that, check it out if you've got kids or, you know, if you're just a bit childish like me and you enjoy watching kids TV, watch Pete the Cat. (laughs) And I am next going to go over to the esteemed Lord Stucky of Kark and ask for his recommendations, please. Do you know you're going on about just watching kids' show? Do you know what I was watching just before I started recording this? Go the Clangers. Ah, oh, classic, yeah. Yeah, I had my, nie- my nieces over. Uh-huh. And they're, they're, so they're, they're, they're only toddlers, so the band that we slapped on their CBBC for them. Mm-hmm. And while I was watching, I found out I was the only one sitting there and the others had all walked off. And I'm there watching... <laughs> 
the it's Michael Palin every... now, isn't it? He does yes, the Yes, Michael Palin. That's brilliant, it was. Mm. Anyway, right, uh, there's a couple of things. Uh, you remember, as I've already mentioned this on Proctor, but back in the day, we used to go to meetings, Doctor Who meetings. Mm. Uh, the fans would just get together and have a chinwag, watch old episodes. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, a Doctor Who fan in Coventry called Jeff Goddard. And he started up a Doctor Who group. Uh, we had our first meeting last last month, and he's got mm-hmm. our second meeting. Should have been the seventh, but it's now going to be the fourteenth. Okay. And it's between seven and ten. Uh, it's it's a, at the community centre in Jubilee Crescent, in Coventry. Uh, just turn up. A uh, bunch of people will be there. You get your free free tea, coffee, oh. and some biscuits, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it's a community. He's got the. I remember Bob asking whole... if they allow beer in that. Yeah, just. And uh, we have to. I think we have. I think you'll have to uh, keep an eye on Bob if he decides yeah. to gate crash. Well, <laughs> if he decides to come down, I'll make sure there's a special corner for him <laughs> uh, where he can just sit and enjoy his uh, horn rimmed beer. Because he's got <laughs> he's got a horn how to drink out of. It's so, fantastic. Have you seen the picture a of that? Horn? <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. He's think... got. A, he's a Game of Thrones fan, and yeah. in the Game of Thrones. Uh, Tormund the Giant, uh, there's a, he drinks his beer out of a horn, and so Bob managed to get himself uh, one of these horn cups. Uh, so now he's got a, like a strap, puts his horn on the strap and can have it round his neck, and he can just carry his beer on his, around his neck, and he, he's loving it. He's absolutely loving it. <laughs> Every home should have one. Well, we did say, but I think mine often just be filled with lemonade. <laughs> So, um, is there like a web page, or have they got a Facebook uh, it, page, or something? They, if someone's interested in attending, and they can find out a bit more, it's on Facebook. Coventry, mm-hmm. just put Coventry Doctor Who meeting in. Okay, uh, you should go to the Coventry. And if it's if you're on uh, Twitter, mm-hmm. it's under at Coventry Who. Oh, excellent. Uh, just put that in. Or if you know Jeff Goddard, he's called. Uh, he's under the City of Jeff. Uh, uh. That'll be on Twitter as well. And, and he'll be able to guide you to where, where uh, the meetings will be held like and how to get there, uh, what times and everything. Uh, so it's just an informal meeting. You sit, have a chinwag with other fans. I mean, the first meeting, it was pop, uh, not properly advertised, mm-hmm. but five people, five of us turned up. We had nice. a great time for a few hours just sitting there talking. Uh, next month, we, I'll put a bit more publicity, uh, publicity in. Mm-hmm. Jeff's been uh, uh, retweeting it. There's a few others been retweeting it. Hopefully a lot more people will turn up uh, in a couple of weeks' time. So, yeah, it's just getting back to the basics and getting fans together to have a chinwhack uh, instead of being on social media. and Back to the old album. school. Yeah, back to the old actually school. Actually having a conversation with someone. Who would have thought it, eh? Yeah. Yeah, let's see how many, how many people actually come out with the, ex- <laughs> the extreme views. Oh, God. God. Yeah, well, that's the whole idea of having something like that, is that you can just bring your chat own, to people uh, who don't have extreme right. views. Yeah. Uh, Anything else? The, well, the other things was uh, yesterday, and it was bank holiday mm-hmm. in the UK, <laughs> uh, which so I stayed at home. I woke up really early, and I ended up watching three comedy shows. Oh. And they're not really comedy shows. They're, they are is it Mrs. Drop. Brown's Boys? Well, you said it's yeah. not really a comedy show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben yeah. might understand that, but anyway, carry on. Uh, I don't understand this. So I'm going to. Yeah, I'm still trying to get up on carry on, man. Don't bring this <laughs> brown into this. Sorry, sorry, Zaki, you were in mid flow. <gasps> Go on. Yes, uh, which was like back to life. Sorry, Daisy Yaggard, mm-hmm. and she was uh, James Corden's missus in the lodger. Oh yeah, at closing time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got after life starring Ricky Gervais. Oh, that's uh, fantastic. Flea, yeah, and Fleabag, 
uh, starring uh, Phoebe Waller. Seen that? Yeah, I'm really interested to watch it because I've heard a lot of good things about it. Oh, it's brilliant! That second yeah. series I just watched in one sitting. Wow. Uh, apart from a six-hour overtime, I had to, they called me in for six hours of overtime. What? To, yeah, so I ended up going to do that and then come back. And then, but those three—they're all very dark comedies, mm. very dark. I mean, yeah, I I've watched you, Ricky Gervais, the, the new one, Afterlife, yeah. and that is brilliant. But yeah, yeah. There, there's that one scene at, at the end of one of the episodes, and I'm thinking, did he actually do that? Mm. Did he yeah. actually? No, I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. I'm not spoiling it for anybody. No, he did no. something. That was rare. Yeah. Believe, did he? But back to the life again. I want to tell you what the premise is. It's just a woman that's come back from prison and she's uh, and how she sort of interacts uh, with the community trying to get back her, back her life mm-hmm. and Fleabag. I mean, there's not a lot more I can say about Fleabag. Loads of people love it. Loads mm-hmm. of people have uh, given it awards and it's just fantastic show. I mean, it has ended and it ended on a perfect note as well. Right, so again, two series of Fleabag, 12 mm-hmm. episodes, just watch them in one go. They're all available on BBC iPlayer. I'm yes. not sure how every, anybody else can get them. But... Uh, I'm sure BBC America or some other platform has them across the water, no doubt. Yes. So, Ben, what have yes. you got for us? Okay, I want to direct your attention to YouTube. Oh, right. Um, <clears throat> there is a... Um, Doctor Who fan who has recently completed a, a, a nine-part documentary series. And when I say nine-part, each part is like 10 minutes mm-hmm. long, so it's not that big. Um, but he is he did a documentary series on the uh, Doctor Who missing lost stories. Okay. And um, I – it is so much fun to watch this guy, this fan. It looks like something you would see on a uh, on an on an official BBC DVD docu- documentary. Really, you know. And it he, I I I can't praise it enough. I mean, he basically goes into each episode what what has uh, what has basically happened happened to it, and he sh- he shows different ways you can watch it today through different like recons or the animation. But he 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 gives this really great history of every single missing episode. And if you go to YouTube, the guy's name is Josh is uh, Josh Snares. Okay. It's two words. It's a uh, J O S H, and then and then his last name is Snares S N A R E S, and the series is called Doc is called Doctor Who the uh, the uh, missing ep- episodes, and it is nine parts, and it is a joy to watch. I mean, great. he yeah. he has so much love for every missing episode, and. Um, he, he just, and what's really cool about it is he even shows the different versions that loose cannon has done. So you can see the different, uh, varying quality. And he also gives behind this, he, he, he kind of gives little uh, tidbits on stuff that happened and why they were lost and Mm -hmm. like, and, and he'll, he'll go into more modern controversies like, uh, the, um, Oh, what was it? The, uh, underwater menace when it came out on, uh, out on DVD, it was supposed to be animated Mm -hmm. and it wasn't. Instead, it was this piss poor slide show that was nowhere near as good as like a loose cannon thing, you know? And, and, oh yeah. And, (laughs) 
and he basically ex- explains why it's so bad and mm. but it's it's just it it is the clearest explanation i have ever found about what the missing episodes are and what is actually missing and why they are missing and it was made by a fan Mm-hmm. And he sounds like a really, really young young guy, actually. But it, I, I cannot recommend this series un- enough. In fact, it, it was so good that Peter Purvis sent in a little video message to him that he put wow. in one. And uh, Wendy Padbury also sent in one. And it, so it, and, and I can tell that the guy who made it was actually shocked by how well it, it, it was received. Mm-hmm. So everyone out there, if you have not seen this, and if you are a fan of the black and white years, and if you have a passing interest in what the whole missing uh, episode brouhaha is, go t- to YouTube, look for Josh um, Snares, and l- look for this nine-part docu- doc- documentary series. It's, it's, it's fan bliss. It's great. I am obsessed with the missing episodes, so... You guys, will love this one. Well, as soon as we finish recording, I'm going straight onto YouTube and looking that up, because it sounds right up my street. I'll send you a link, actually. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, thank actually, you. maybe you could put it in the uh, notes or something. Maybe you, I you know? could. There's an idea. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, all right. yeah, I'll find a way of doing that. So. <laughs> well, I want to thank you both for coming on. Uh, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show, and uh, it's just a really nice excuse for me to talk to couple of guys who i really admire very much and um before you go as uh any little plugs that you'd like to put in for any projects you've got on the go if we start with sucky maybe well obviously i'm going to go with uh, proctor who uh proctor so who? yeah i've heard of that one that, it's a small little podcast yeah 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 but um <laughs> yes uh so the uh, i've said it on their show i only said it recently uh i joined their their podcast uh just over a year less than a year ago now mm-hmm. and i've had a really really good time with them guys and they asked me to join after we went to a convention together uh-huh. and, I've, <laughs> and i've been with i've been with them ever since uh <laughs> i've now been doing like well some of them have just been doing the monthly podcast mm-hmm. but i've been doing like a weekly podcast oh, you're virtually hardcore now, yeah, virtually for uh, since season eleven started. So I did season eleven, and then mm. we did Star Trek Discovery, mm. and then we just finished Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, I can remember doing weekly podcasts. It's uh, yes, yeah, it's... you've got to have a particular mindset to keep doing it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's really hard. But and then I, idiots I come and invite you to go onto other podcasts as well. <laughs> this this is what I was saying at the end of the Game of Thrones one. I says I'm going to have a rest, and then realised I've got yeah. you this week, what and it then is to be popular. Pro- eh? Proctor again next week, <laughs> and then I completely forgot that I'm actually part of Doctor Who's line. Is it anyway podcast, uh, which is also a weekly podcast? Oh my god! And that's another one that I'd like to plug. We're looking for cast mm-hmm. members. Okay, so uh, what's, explain it, you know, <laughs> right uh, as to anyone who hasn't heard of what it is, and and uh, plug it and give us an idea of what we can expect. If you remember the back, or well, actually, I think it's still running now. The the improv comedy show which is whose line is it anyway mm-hmm, yeah. and you, yes. you just make it make up comedy as you give it along well this is a version for doctor what what we'll do is we'll play an episode of doctor on the screen mm-hmm. and we'll each take a character and we'll do our own version an audio version of that character mm-hmm. and miles northicott has been running it now for about three or four years right and he's released just over 100 episodes uh and we just do a comedy. We've got cast members from all around the world, Canada, America, Britain, uh, 
well, that's it basically. And <laughs> and what they'll just take. But we haven't got enough cast members. Right. Okay. So you hmm. need more people to. We to do take need part. because because we record on a Friday night, quite late. If you're UK time at about two o'clock in the morning. I think One Lee and Simon have been on a few episodes. Lee and, Lee and Simon were part of the cast mm. when they did the Daleks many years ago. Yeah. But because of their other commitments, they have to drop out. Well, you know. And busy guys. So they are very busy guys. He's got a library to run. He doesn't have time to do all that. Is he head librarian now? Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> I thought he only did it part-time just to go, because he was a comedian on the side. Like. Lee has checked out. Yes, but uh, Library joke, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but we just need more cast members. So if you want to get involved, just get in touch with Miles at Doctor Who's Line Easy uh, and just offer your services mm. you don't need to know comedy because i've no i'm not a comedian i've never no, done it that. shut up <laughs> and i've never done improv and i'll just i just went on there for the odd episode and i've stayed ever since because i can't record friday nights because i'm working all the while but mm. sunday mornings which is their other recording night it's fantastic uh. it's ideal for me because i'm not at work uh we just get together early do one episode one or two episodes and just and then Miles does all the editing. And that must take a bit brilliant. of doing. It does for him. Yeah. I think that most of the work goes afterwards yeah. with his editing. Yeah. But he, he does a fantastic job, and I'd just like to do a big, big him up like this. He'll have a bit of a giggle doing it. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, there's there's also conversation ones that he puts out. He does music. There's also musical episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, you do not have to do be musically inclined. If you don't wish to take part <laughs> like myself. I don't touch the music at all. And he's he's asked me, do you want to do music? No. No. <laughs> so as it says, Doctor Who's on it, is it anyway? Yeah. And Proctor Who. That's my two Excellent. little podcasts at the moment. Excellent. We'll get we'll get plugging those for you. And Benjamin, you've been a little bit quiet these days. Um you got anything on the yes. go? Well, I'm trying to get over this uh, cough, and I want to apologize for coughing throughout this whole well, you podcast. You need to give up the cigarettes, um, Ben. You know, it's not. Um, I, I, so what I am currently into is, uh, well, it is basically, uh, you know, Hall's sugar-free triple soothing action menthol cough <laughs> suppressant. Uh, I don't think um, they listen to this podcast. You're not going to it, it basically rates a four on the uh, cooling flavor meter, it oh. says here, and it is mountain menth- menthol flavor. And uh, I cannot recommend them. Well, I probably can't because well? I've actually been uh, coughing, so I don't, I don't oh, know if dear. I can rec- recommend them. But, uh, oh, yeah. um, but I, I, I am in between podcast projects. I may have something coming up. Ooh. Uh, within a month that me and, um, a couple of old, um, partners in crime from the tower of Technobabble podcast yeah. may be looking into. So there, there may be something happening, but for now I'm just being a, being a dad watching well, my stories and job in getting angry. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, I just want to thank you both for coming on. It's been a fantastic experience just to chat with you and, uh, well, maybe we'll get you back to do another episode. Well, Mark, no lovely. Thank you. And we'll speak anyway, again soon. Hurry up. Come on. I want to go to work. Hurry All up right. quick. Cheerio. Ta-ta. <laughs> well done, lad. Yeah, See you later. Cheers.